Hello everyone and welcome back to Eyes and the Mys. My name is John. That's Ian. Hey. Today is April 12th. This is episode 57. I'm gonna get previews, but I'm allergic to almonds and cats. Boo. That is not only a joke on the fact that almond cat sounds like almond cats, but I am also legitimately allergic to almonds and cats. Well, I'm not, so deal with it. <laughs> I have for the for my entire life. Oh, so it stinks, man. Like it, it will not harm me any further. But I, I was gonna make the make a joke about like me loving nuts, but that would just be uncouth. I mean, <laughs> your name on the internet's already dicks, so I don't know where else we can go from there. Family friendly. <laughs> But, in any case, we are going to talk all about All Get Previews with something little special to start us off. Uh, sorry, it's not a preview card. I wish it was. But, first up, we have our eyes in the community. The Loading Ready Run pre-pre-release is this Friday. I do not have the start time, but I'm assuming it's around 10 a.m. Pacific. I'm just going to assume that. Hold on. Uh, with the special guests Aaron Forsyth, Christine Sprankle, Josh Lee Kwai, and Cameron Edelis. Yeah, it is at 11 a.m. Pacific time. 11 a.m. Pacific. I was off by an hour. So for those of us in the central time zone, like me, and currently Ian. Yay! 1 p.m. Everyone else, you can figure it out on your own. I think I'm actually going to be off of work in time for that. Well, like the class that I'm in right now, I'm out in Texas still for my class. Uh, It should be getting done relatively early that day because it's the last day of class. I'm not entirely sure, but... I'll, I'll at least be in chat, for sure. Yep. I will probably be hanging around as well for a little bit. Maybe not the whole time, because it's my last night in Texas, so i got to get out and do a couple of little things, but we'll see. Of course. Well, in any case, before we get started, Ian picked up a few packs of Ether Revolt. Oh, yeah. So I got an Ajani pack and a Tezzeret pack, and I'm up to John to pick which one I'm going to open. Let us open the Ajani pack. Kitty! There is a little pack one, pick one to kind of close out uh, Ether Revolt with Amonkhet on the horizon. <sighs> it smells delicious. Oh, you don't have to remind me. All right, so we have a servo token and a swamp. All right. I always. Okay, which, which I pers- swamp? Uh, it is the James Pike swamp. It's the one of like the. Uh, it looks like sewers. Ah, uh, okay. That one's a good one. But it's actually really cool looking. I managed to open a foil one of those, and that one, the foil of that does look also really sweet. Oh, I can imagine with the little lights and stuff in there. Oh, yeah. Pretty good. It's a, anyways, it's, it's land, it's land number five, uh, two, five, six for those at home. So, all right. Uh, so we've got Caught in the Brights, Precise, Pack One Picked One did in my last draft, Precise Strike, Aether Swooper, Unbridled, good, Unbridled Growth, Night Market Aeronaut, Lath New Sailback, Iron Tread Crusher, Universal Solvent, Night Market Guard, destructive tampering so of the comments definitely caught in the brights right uh caught in the brights and swooper are pretty close um but caught in the brights i think is better by by a long mile yeah okay so uncommons now uh there is no foil in this pack so womp womp yeah uh we have a scrapper champion that's the okay. three in a red two two double striker human artificer uh, when it enters the battlefield you get two energy and when it attacks you may pay two energy if you do put a plus one plus one counter on it Pretty good if you had counter uh, if you had a lot of energy lying around to start. Yeah, jumping. Scrapper Champion can easily end games, especially with some of the good pump spells in the format. It gets swole. Uh, we have Vengeful Rebel. It's a two and a black three two Aetherborn Warrior with Revolt. Uh, if a permanent you control off the battlefield this turn, target creature you know, opponent controls gets minus three minus three until end of turn when it uh, ETBs. So now, yeah, Scrapper Champion is good, but Vengeful Rebel is is much better. Oh yeah, uh, Lifecraft Awakening. Yeah, whatever. It is not as good as Vengeful Rebel. I'm probably going with our rare here because it's a bomb that wins games. It's Aether Tide Whale. Ooh, yeah. The four, the four in a blue, or four blue blue, six four flying, uh, flying whale. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you get six energy counters. You may pay four and return it to its owner's hand. So you can just start, you know, bouncing it back and yeah. forth. It never gets removed. My big problem with the whale is it is really hard to kill. But I've found that getting into the blue energy decks is much harder in this format than it was in Kaladesh. Very like true. Like, if I'm blue, I feel like I want to be, like, blue-red improvise or blue-black improvise. And the blue-green energy deck has kind of just fallen by the wayside for me. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily going to fit into an energy deck. It's just, I'm just taking it because it's a 6-4 flyer that can dodge removal. 
Like for me, I think I'm still taking Vengeful Rebel. I think that the the whale's the better card. But you just but like, I like the you I like, just like Vengeful Rebel a lot more. You just like where it puts you. Yeah, I like where I mean, black can, puts me a lot. I mean, I can definitely agree with you on the Rebel. Like that's like probably my second one. It's probably like yeah. Whale, Rebel, Scrapper, Champion, Caught in the Brights, top four out of that pack. But uh, I would swap Champion and Caught in the Brights. But yeah, that's that's probably the top four with Ether Trooper rounding out the top five. Yeah, seemed good. All right, cool. Yeah. So now that that's moving out of the way, moving on to Amonkhet previews. Man, talk about a set. So much flavor. <laughs> so many awesome. I, I feel cool like designs. I feel like we say that every set. I mean. Yes, we do, but, you know, we haven't had a chance to play with the cards yet, so what else are we supposed to do? Hype, 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 hype. But no, some of these cards actually look pretty interesting, and, you know, I think I've seen more out of this set than I have in previous ones of, like, people just picking random random cards that have been revealed so far and being like, how does this fit into modern? How does this... It's like... there are, And it's not like just like the, oh, this might fit into modern. It's like, these cards could actually potentially fit in. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of really strong cards in this form or in this set that might have a chance at breaking into older formats and hopefully kind of shifting up standard a bit in an interesting way. I mean, we have a card um, that's talking about potentially people are saying it might be the new one X or like one in X uh, where X is color. It's like the the two mana one in a color spell creature. It might yeah. be bumping out the red one. It's like, that's pretty crazy. Well, I mean, we'll see. I'm, I'm not sold on that argument, but we'll talk about it when we get there. I'm not I'm not sold on it either, but I'm saying like people are talking about it. And that's kind of crazy when oh yeah, a two-drop can, two can just come in and be like, hey, young peasy, what's up? <laughs> Anyways, let's start with kind of the marquee cards of the set. These cards are on the playmats. A few of these cards are on the booster pack art. We now know the identity of all five of the... Amonkhet gods that we're seeing in the set. Uh, we did get one kind of as a spoiler leak and that then got officially previewed, which would have been Magic Mike's preview card today. Instead, I hear they got like five cards or something. Yeah, that's, that kind of stinks. Um, so that one, which is one to lead off of that yeah, one. let's go and start with Ronus the Indomitable. Ian, what does he do? So he, now of the gods, two are male, three are female. And they are the exact uh, gender swap of the Theros gods. Uh, the main four or main five? Yes. All right. Because, you know, there was a bunch more. Anyway, so Ronus the Indomitable is a two green five five legendary creature god. Yeah. That's right. There's no artifact creature this time. Or enchantment, uh, but yes. It is. Or enchantment creature, right. Uh, it is death. has death touch and indestructible. Ronus, and it also reads Ronus the Indomitable, can't attack or block. Um, actually, all the gods have this can't attack or block unless claws. Uh, his is. Unless you control another creature with power four or greater. So it's literally checking ferocious. Yep, it is checking ferocious. <laughs> and Ian, how can he possibly get to that if he's a three mana creature? Well, he has an activated ability. For two and a green, another target creature gets plus two plus oh and trample until end of turn. So this guy, I think, has gotten the the hype of we'll most likely see modern play, maybe? Uh, John Death... Done. Yeah, John Death Shadow says, "What up, home slice?" Like Tarmogoyfs get to four power pretty early on in games, and Death Shadow can also get pretty can also get pretty large. And then also, Ronus just has the ability to just take your two power creature, make it a four power creature, and then you bash. I hear Death Shadow's one issue is that it doesn't have evasion. Oh wait, that's what Teamer Battle Rage was for. Yeah. Uh, now my, <laughs> it gives trample. My only thing with Ronus is that I expected Ronus to have trample not death touch but i do like the fact that he has death touch more than the yes trample but he can't give himself death touch well, he can't give himself trample yes because has another target creature however a five five death touch indestructible creature pretty big yeah ronus it's stonewalls every other creature it's really hard to block him like it's hard to block it's hard to gods just in general it's hard to get it's hard to get rid of them yeah. like you can't. <laughs> it, is, it is really hard. And of note, all of the gods, except for Hazaret, which we talked about last week, survive Grasp of Darkness. Oh, right. Yeah, because Hazaret's a X4. Yeah, because Hazaret's a 5-4. Um, and remember, even though you're destructible, to... a minus X minus X, X effect will kill you. Yeah, as, long, as if your toughness equals zero or less, you will die. But yeah, Ronus seems regardless. really good. Seems really powerful. I have He is a card that I'm considering for my cube. He's probably going to see standard play for sure. I would expect him to. 
Um, like we'll see. I, I think that I think the thing that will help with these is that all of these gods are really cheap costed for the most part. I mean, four four mana or less. Yeah. And as when I saw someone joking about like uh, putting them in collector company. Ah oh, man, that seems way too cute. <laughs> like I, get I think it, it was this one. That's way too cute. I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. There's there's another card that was like putting in a collected company. I was just like, you know, it's not not hilarious if you just put a one of. Uh, I think I even know which one they're talking about. But anyways, let's go ahead and move on to uh, our other male god, which is Kefnet the Mindful. I don't remember if we talked about Kefnet at all uh, last week, but Kefnet is two and a blue for a five five flying indestructible legendary creature god. Uh, he can't attack or block unless you have seven or more cards in hand. But you can pay three and a blue to draw a card, and then you may return a land you control to its owner's hand. Yeah, the may build is cool there. Like I think we did talk about this mentioning with the cycling lands, yeah. and that you can just pull the land back up to your hand, make sure you have seven, swing in, and then you can ditch one of the lands, cycle it out. Yeah, uh, Kefnet seems really to. interesting in a control style deck. I do. I don't like that it's flying indestructible because I think that that's really hard to deal with. In, in in most strategies, especially control decks. That said, I mean... He chump blocks all day. He, he definitely blocks a lot of things. Like, uh, Kefnet can block a uh, Torrential Gearhulk. Uh, Kefnet can block m- pretty much most things that you're going to see in standard. Kefnet can block a Heart of Kirin. And, all day can block a Heart of Kirin. And eat it Jeez. in most cases. There's a few cases where, <gasps> it, where it won't just, you know, straight up destroy it, but... Uh, veteran motorist? No, that still dies because it only gives yeah. plus. You need like two double motorist one? or motorist Apollo. Yeah, that's true. Either way, it doesn't matter. Yeah, so Kefnet's pretty PD. So let's move on to the god that everybody was hoping would have a second subtype, which is Oketra the True. Uh, Oketra is three and a white for a legendary creature god, not a cat god, just a god. Kitty. Uh, she is a three six with double strike and indestructible. Uh, she can't attack or block unless you control at least three other creatures. And then you can pay three and a white to create a 1-1 white warrior creature token with Vigilance. She's getting straight into my EDH deck. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, her... Granted, it's most granted, granted it's kind of weird because it's soldiers mostly in my deck. Yeah. But I don't have anything that like kind of calls out. like I don't have any of the anthem effects that would be like you name a creature type, like Coat of Arms or kind of thing like that. Right. So in this case, warriors are fine. Also, it's pretty easy to attack with Oketra, I think, in most cases for limited. Um, I like Double Strike on Oketra being a 3-6, which effectively makes her a 6-6. I also like the fact that she doesn't have Vigilance herself. Or, like, she she has Double Strike instead of Vigilance. Because I think that Double Strike is a more interesting ability on Oketra. I I do think they did did a really good job in terms of, like, picking the keywords that go with each of these guys. Absolutely. Um, In terms of, I mean, like... Hazard, red one has haste. Cool. Green, death touch. I mean, it's either death touch or trample. You're going to get with green. Um, blue, flying, or I don't like, know. Like, you're not giving you're not giving an indestructible creature prowess. No. <laughs> that's just stupid. And But basically, that's all really blue has in terms of its known for yeah. creature uh, keywords. And double strike on a white card is something we usually see. It's either that or vigilance. Yeah. Uh, I would also oh, expect or life Or lifelink. First strike would have been fine, but a double strike I think fits more in flavor, yeah. especially since she's um, wielding you know a bow. Yeah, but I mean lifelink too, but that that would just be stupid. Yeah. So that brings lifelink. That brings us full circle to the final god, Bontu the Glorified. Previewed uh, last night, today It's not in the official card gallery, but it will be when you hear this on a Thursday. Uh, Bontu is two and a black for an indestructible creature, a legendary creature god who is indestructible and has menace. Bantu can't attack or block unless a creature died under your control this turn. But then you can pay one in the black, sack another creature to scry one, and then have each opponent lose one life and you gain one life. Oh, and Bantu is also a 4-6. Hey, John. Yeah. Uh, Zoro Park Cutthroat is still mo- standard legal. It certainly is. <laughs> it certainly is. I mentioned that to, to uh, Magic Man Sam at Ristic Studies. He was just like, he was like, let's bring it back, talking about the... Uh, the token sack yeah, deck. the aristocrat style <laughs> decks. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have the uh, cool little Nantuko Husk Wincon, but... Yeah, you can get there. I mean, I forget that there was, like, there was... Oh, there was there had, I think there was a creature that, like, you know... Oh, no, wait, never mind. I was thinking of Mortician Beetle. Yeah, Mortician Beetle is... Darn you, Modern Masters. 
Morti- <laughs> Mortician Beetle is not in standard. Mortician Beetle in that deck will be stupid. It would. Now here's a, here's a guy that I was I was interested to see what keyword they would give Bantu because in black you can get Death Touch, Life Link, or in this case Menace. And I was like, you know, Life Link on an indestructible creature just kind of seems rude. So I do like yeah. that Bantu has Menace, and being a four six means that you can pretty much you can you can actually have a debate about whether or not you need to block it or not. Yeah, it's like, do I just like keep taking four damage here and just block everything or else? Do I, you know, throw two creatures under the bus and you know just go? Oops, because it's not gonna die. It has indestructible. Yeah. Like, I think to be fair, of all of the um, secondary key, like the se- I'm gonna call them secondary keyword outside of indestructible um, of the gods, like menace is the probably the most painful. Yeah, menace on anything that's like big and nasty is rough and. I remember someone uh, put a comment on Mark Rosewater's blog to the effect of, you know, I really like how well Menace is played, where on small creatures it helps them get in early, and on big creatures it turns jump blocking into a very difficult choice. And I think Bantu the Glorified really kind of exemplifies that, because a 4-6 Menace is really hard to block, and you can't really trade for it. So your choices are either to basically take 4, or to throw 2 creatures under the bus. And the only way to really block it is to have, you know, two five fives or whatever. Right? Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Frankly, I think it's makes things quite interesting. And I like all the gods. Um I would not be surprised to see some of these played in standard oh, yeah, besides Ronus. Um now the one that I was expecting you uh, to say would go into Coco would be Bantu, because Bantu's a sack outlet, but Yeah, I mean Because like in, in Ebzan Collected Company, which is the deck we're talking about, uh, okay, they yeah, don't the, really have yeah. a lot of, you know, four power creatures. I was more thinking some one well, like out, kind of outside of just that as well. Yeah, but, but I mean, yeah, that definitely gives them a way to be like if you don't have. Uh, I mean, Viscera Seer is obviously better, but well, yeah, because it's technically quote unquote free. Yeah, but this is a uh, a decent way if you need a quick thing to to get to your Viscera Seer. Absolutely. Plus, it gums up the ground rather nicely. Oh yes, especially when you can get them active so that Vontu can block. And and the drain is not bad either. So yeah, drain is surprisingly relevant. And that does it for all the gods. Again, Except we talked about Hazoret last week. And Hazoret, I think, is really good. And I think Hazoret is the most likely to see standard play. Uh, it does hurt that she dies to Grasp of Darkness, but I still think that she's really good. Yeah, it seems like a corner removal case that's not a lot of decks are running right now because yeah. of double black. So, oh, And with Kefnet, you mentioned control deck. I don't know if the control deck that Kefnet would want to fit into will exist currently. Yeah. We might have to see some rotation happen before that. Yeah, we'll see. I, I'm, I think Kefnet will, will have legs in, in standard, but we will see. Whether it's now or later, we'll see. Exactly. So let's go ahead and move on. And we've got two cycles that we kind of want to talk about. There's the common cycle of the cartouches, and then there is the uncommon cycle of the trials. So each of the trials <laughs> all have the same text in them, which says... When a cartouche enters the battlefield under your control, you may return it to the you uh, return the trial to its owner's hand, and then each trial does something that helps uh, the god kind of turn on in some respect. Um, for example, uh, the trial of strength is two and a green for an enchantment at uncommon. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you create a four-two green beast, and then when a cartouche enters the battlefield, you can bounce it, which allows Ronus to be able to attack. Yeah, Ronus is really the only one that kind of really does help yeah like because trial of ambition the black one doesn't really help bantu because bantu says under your control yeah. uh, trial of ambition is one of the black enchantment target opponent sacks a creature trial of solidarity gives all your creatures plus two plus one in vigilance uh trial of zeal is three mana to deal three damage to a creature or player uh the blue one is four mana to draw three cards and discard a card not terrible, not terrible. but but it's funny though so the tr- the, i think the trials are pretty good um people have been having you know some pretty good thoughts and at least the pros that i've been seeing tweet about them it's like if you if you can get like one or like two cartouches in your deck with a trial like being able to cast it two or three times is just straight value yeah, i mean i think it depends on the trial like trial of knowledge the blue one there is a real possibility that you can draw yourself out of the out of the game if you just draw too many cards which is something that can happen it depends on how trial fast ambition. or slow the format is and trial of ambition you know if they have just a weasel little token around you know sack that but I think zeal and strength and solidarity are the three that you, if you can recur them a bunch, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be pretty good for and you. And then we have. No, it's funny. So it's funny about the cartouches. Someone actually did a 
you can look up Google search traffic based on area for a certain time. And right around the time <laughs> uh, Amundkett was going into development, the word cartouche shirts on Google spikes in the Seattle area. Yeah. Which is really funny. <laughs> it's like, is this a coincidence or was suddenly everyone at Wizards R&D just typing in cartouche? Uh, so each of the cartouches, uh, enchant creatures you control, uh, they all give plus one, plus one, and a keyword in their colors, and then they all have an ability that happens when they enter the battlefield. Um, the ones that I want to talk about real quick are the Cartouche of Zeal and uh, the Cartouche of Solidarity. Uh, cartouche of Zeal, because it's basically just Hammerhand from uh, Matt, from M15, it's one. It's a single oh red mana for enchant creature you control, when enters the battlefield, target creature can't block, and the creature gets plus one, plus one in haste. So it's it's a really way, great way of playing a creature and then paying just one more red mana to falter one of your opponent's creatures and make your creature bigger and have haste. Yeah, you can definitely set up some really good uh, combat scenarios on this one. Uh, I think this just this just being one red mana and Cartouche of Solidarity being just one white mana really helps in terms of the uh, potential blowout. You know, usually enchantment auras aren't that great. If there's removal floating around, because you get basically two for one. Yeah. Um, but but just being a single mana, mana, yeah. When your investment is just one mana, which shouldn't take up a lot of your turn, that's not bad. Especially when you want to use these, it's probably going to be like turns three and four. Yeah. Now, Cartouche of Solidarity. I think I don't know if you mentioned last week, uh, but it's a single white mana for an aura. It's intense creature you control. When it comes into play, you make a one-one white warrior with vigilance, and the creature gets plus one plus one at first strike. Uh, of note, there is some discussion about modern boggles and whether they replace Hyena Umbra, which is basically this card, except instead of the making the 1-1, one, one, it gives the creature totem armor, uh, whether it just replaces it with Cartouche of Solidarity, because while boggles, all their creatures have hexproof, so it's really hard to use one for one for removal on them, uh, they do lose a lot Bogle. to edicts, edict effects, like Liliana of the Veil. So, yeah. So Cart- I mean, well, that's why I, I know... I'm- Pretty sure Bogles runs just a singleton. Uh, it does run Dryad Arbor. Well, yes, Dryad Arbor. It's a, it's a just for that. kind I mean, of just free sack. But you know, having yeah, just I, you know, Cartouche of Solidarity make a one-one with and into like a Liliana turn for the for their opponent. You know, it doesn't hurt a lot. So, oh yeah, because you can stick a creature and then stick a car- the Cartouche down right on that turn and have the protection yeah. readily available for you. But yeah, I mean, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, it's not like huge, but it's fine. Yeah, well, I mean, some people do like the totem armor, though, because it, it's such an annoying thing to I do. I mean, they play enough totem armors already, I think, that I think that they won't hurt too bad, but... I would not be surprised to see this come down in modern yeah. at all. So, moving on, let's talk about a card that people were hoping would happen, but not quite this way. Uh, Ian, what does Watchers of the Dead do? Well, Watchers of the Dead is a two-mana artifact creature cat that's a 2-2, so it's a bear cat. But you can exile Watchers of the Dead... Each opponent chooses two cards in his or her graveyard and then exiles the rest. So it's not, you know, nuke a graveyard strategy just all in one go. It's, it's no it's no Tormod's Crypt. It's no Tormod's Crypt. It's no Rest in Peace. But what it does is it let it makes the player who's trying to play with their graveyard really choose what they need to keep around. Uh, this really hoses Delirium strategies, even though it is sort of possible for them to have Delirium with only two cards in their graveyard. But it makes it artifact creature, artifact creature, and then and the, one of the split, um, the aftermath cards. One of the, yeah, one so, of the split cards. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll see. You know, I, I mean, it's more than we've had in standard today. I mean, this really does kind of hose um, some of the stuff that uh, at least my uh, tower deck likes to do, especially with torrential gear hole. Oh yeah, because it's like, okay, now I need to pick the two spells that I would want to cast, not instead of having. Oh, well, if I need a counterspell this turn, I can just use a counterspell. Or if I need a draw spell, I can just use my draw card. Or if I need the burn spell, I can use that one. It's like, no, you have to pick two. Yeah. Watchers of the Dead does make it it make it make a real choice about what you need to leave around. Um, also, the Absolutely. fact that you can just, you know, ag- activate this to just, you know, hose whoever. You know, if you're playing against the tower decks with torrential gear holds, or you're playing against a delirium deck, or playing against scrappy scroungers, you know. It, it does give interesting decisions. Yeah, because, I mean, they could always just keep a creature and the scrap heap scrounger and then exile it away and to still be able to bring it back. But even then, it's still it's graveyard hate that we need. Yeah, and while so, Watcher, Walkers, or Watcher of the Dead is kind of, you know, 
Nuka Graveyard. They're, they also previewed Scarab Feast. Uh, single black mana for an instant. Exile up to three target cards from a single graveyard with cycling for a single black mana. So it's main deckable in your kind of standard control decks. Because if they're not doing a graveyard strategy, you can just go, I need something better. Or you can, you know, just go and get rid of your Scrappy Scrounger. Or and just get rid of that card you targeted with your Gear Hulk. By the way, this is like a strictly better than card. What's a strictly better than? It's strictly better than a card from way back in the day in Urza's Destiny called Rapid Decay, which was a rare at one and a black, cycling two, remove three up from, from the game up to three target cards in a single graveyard. It does the literal same thing for one less mana on the front end, and it's cheaper cycling cost. Well. And it's a con. That is, well. <laughs> it's literally strictly better. How the times have changed. But even then, um, I kind of brought it up when this card was revealed. I'm like, hey, how about you mono black, uh, mono black popper players out there? Seem good? It, it, it does seem very good. And while, I mean, it's and while we're on the topic of card. posers, uh, the other big theme out of Kaladesh is artifacts. And while the graveyard decks from Shadows and you know Scrap Heap Scrounger have been kind of running amok, we have not one, not two, but three cards that are just focused in on artifact strategies um and let's just go ahead and start with uh the card that i think most people people are most excited to play which is manglehorn and what does manglehorn do oh man manglehorn all right so manglehorn is a two and a green two two creature beast so stats are a little lacking but trust me it has good relevant text so when manglehorn enters the battlefield you may destroy target artifact all right so it's a, a good old color shifted manic vandal or Viridian Shaman. Or Viridian Shaman. Ooh, Viridian so, Shaman is one green green, isn't it? No, Viridian Shaman is the same body and, and mana cost. I thought it was one green Tuna green. green for, but anyways, that's nah, not the point. Viridian Shaman, no, you're thinking of uh, the Infect one. Oh yeah, Viridian Corruptor is definitely one green green. But anyways, what else does Manglehorn do, if anything? So, Manglehorn also says artifacts your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. So... Hey, hey, cat combo. What's up? Yeah, it stops the cat combo because Sahili's minus makes artifact copies. Uh, it also makes Heart of Kieran's interplay tapped, makes Fleet Rule Cruiser's interplay tapped. Uh, there was a Twitter thread earlier this week where Aaron Forsyth basically said, you know, Manglehorn always had that ability to hose things like um, Etherworks Marvel and Dynavolt Tower. Yeah, they basically brought it in. Because remember, they completely missed the cat combo. Uh, but th- they were expecting... They, they had expected uh, the Aetherworks Marvel deck to be one of those, well, let's print this and see if they break it Yeah, kind of cards. Like, they knew that that card could potentially just be busted. Oh, yeah. And Manglehorn busted, does a good job busted. of it. It's a strictly better uh, Uktabi Orangutan <laughs> going going <laughs> way back in the way back, way back machine. Um, oh, man. That was great, the rips. It's like, oh, yeah. it's a strictly better Manic Vandal. Uh, if you were truly old school, it would be Uktabi Orangutan. <laughs> Please. I actually don't even know the stats of Utabi Orangutan. I just know that it's two and a green for like a two power creature. I think it's a two two with destroy target artifact. Whereas yeah, Manic Vandal way, is two and a red for a two two. I'm I'm all for artifact hate. Uh, speaking of just, artifact hate, Ian, how do you like a artifact destruction card with cycling on it? Seems decent to me. Well, we have Dissenter's Deliverance, one in the green for an instant with cycling for a green that says destroy target artifact. Um. So we do have the oh guy. Can, can't think of the name. It's, it's the the one that just it's one in the green put a target artifact on this bottom of its natural obsolescence yeah uh same mana cost doesn't destroy which could potentially help because there are some things that might have indestructible and just pop it on the bottom Uh, but the cycling cost definitely can help um, a deck that might want to play this just cycling is drawing a card is good if you don't need this just now, in standard right do. now, most decks are running, you know, some artifact. Like, I think almost almost every Gearhulk has seen play at some point, aside from the white one, which has been kind of lacking. Um, Tower's seen a lot of play. Marvel's seen a lot of play. The ve- just, just look at the vehicles. You know, they see a lot of play. But in, even if you run against a deck that's like, you know what, I'm not playing any artifacts. So you're... You could potentially, you could potentially just main board this yeah, card. You could, I would not be surprised to main deck one or two in a green deck. And then just, you know, oh, you're not playing artifacts, so I'm just going to get rid of this. Or it's like it's like that. I'm instantly sideboarding this out card. Yeah. Or you put two in the main, two in the board, and you go up against the heavy artifact deck, like at the vehicles deck, and you go, well, bringing the other two in, and just kind of hoping to find them at some point with all of your cycling abilities. 
Yeah, I mean, I this just goes to show how cool of a wrinkle that cycling puts into the game. Yeah. Um, it's the choice that you mean. It, it adds extra value to a card that otherwise would probably never see play. Oh, yeah. Like, one of the green destroying artifact is not playable right now. Like, I don't think it's playable in limited. Uh, it is definitely not playable in limited, no. I mean, naturalize is just cheaper. Yeah, and in a format like Amonkhet, that's going to be sideboard card. Like, that card would be playable in, like, Aether Revolt or in Kaladesh, but not in Amonkhet limited. No, we haven't seen... It's not nearly artifact-focused no. enough. But we did get another one that really focuses on artifacts. Um, good old Frank Karsten got the other... Uh, the jokes keep coming for him in his preview cards because he got by force which is an X-Red sorcery. What's that X, you might ask? Well, destroy X-Target artifacts. Yeah, it is It is a scalable Shatterstorm. It is um, an easier-to-cast uh, Release the Gremlins. Like, Release the Gremlins being RXX is very prohibitive in certain situations, and while the 2-2s are nice, like, for my Grixis Tower deck, I am easily swapping out uh, Release the Gremlins for by force. Oh, yeah. Uh, I probably would just play by force just because you can destroy more because there have been times it's like i need to destroy four artifacts but i only have enough mana to destroy three yeah and you can't really wait those extra two turns to get your lands online so oh yeah also uh by force is one of the uh, story spotlight cards is the fourth of five spotlight cards uh and this is the second spotlight card that's an uncommon which is which is of note i think it's kind of cool though like that they feel like they can put the story on a card and not make it rare kind of thing yeah it's definitely i think they're trying to feel out where they can put the story i don't think we'll see it i'll eat my words if it happens but i really don't think we'll ever see a common story card. i don't think we will uh of note before they actually put kind of the watermark on them um uh bonds of mortality and oath of the gatewatch wasn't uncommon and that was the moment and that was the depiction of nissa bringing the pulling the titans into zendikar not that yeah. it's a huge deal but it is something just something to kind of just point out Chew on this. Chew on this. Uh, moving on, we mentioned a few cycling cards, and cycling's a really fun mechanic, and there's definitely been a lot of cards in the past, specifically from uh, Odyssey, no, Onslaught Block, where they brought in cards that cared when you cycled something. Uh, the main offenders being uh, Lightning Rift and uh, Astral Slide. You can look up what those do on their own, on your own time, but let me just tell you that they were apparently a very good in their time. Um, Dude, Lightning Rift was great in Eternal Masters. Yeah. And Astro Slide is just bonkers. Um, but we get a cycling payoff in the same vein in Drake Haven. Uh, two and a blue for a rare enchantment. Whenever you cycle or discard a card, you may pay one generic mana. If you do, create a 2 2 blue Drake creature token with flying. Of note, it does say cycle or discard a card. So Drake Haven pay plays very nicely with the Shadows Over Innistrad cards like. Call the Bloodline, or um, or Cathartic Reunion from Kaladesh, or Tormenting Voice. You know, it lets you use cards that aren't just cyclers to get extra value out of. Yeah, it it just seems like a good way to like, because normally if you want to cycle and you're like, okay, I'm just going to cycle this and get a little extra value out of your card. Yeah. Um, eh. Also, um, someone asked me at one point. I don't think I'll see much. I don't think I'll see much play though. Uh, we'll see like it it has answers in standard and like fragmentize and appetite decommission and whatnot but you know making a bunch of drakes with like if i pay two mana for a cathartic reunion and then pay two more mana to make to discard two cards make two two twos and draw three cards that seems really good can you imagine if you somehow ended up with like a sealed pool where it's just like two of these in there and you're just like all right looks like i'm just gonna build a cycling drake deck i mean yeah <laughs> I, I can definitely see that you know um, there's also a bunch of other cycling payoffs, like we mentioned the Archfiend of Ifnir. I, I don't know why I have to go like Ifnir for all of that, but whatever. Um, there's Ifnir. a few others that we might bring up as well that are cycling payoffs, and you know, Drakehaven plays very, very nicely with those. It's definitely a build around me rare. It is definitely a build around rare, and I think this one is probably pretty worth it. You know, it like two two flyers are big. I mean, Goblin Slide was a hell of a card. I you you don't need to sell me on Goblin Slide any more than you have to. <laughs> I loved that card. So I know you did. Speaking of cards that are like old cards, we literally have a color shift. A card that was printed in alpha is being printed again, but in the appropriate color. Yeah, it's a uh, unstable mutation was the original card, but this is consuming fervor for a red mana. 
you get an enchantment creature aura. It reads, enchanted creature has plus three plus three and has at the beginning of your upkeep put a minus one minus one counter on this creature. So it gets really big at first and then slowly kind of gets weaker and weaker and weaker until it dies. See, of these kind of like enchanted creature and they get this much value, I have like you get the f- like they're like normally you would see this ramp up into at the beginning of your upkeep put a plus one plus one counter on this creature like so it's like it wouldn't do it right off the bat so you'd enchant it and have to wait a turn and have to wait a turn this is just like here get plus three plus three. Oh, by the way you're going to slowly start shrinking back down again so you have like three turns before your creature returns at normal size and then it kind of starts to get smaller yeah but there are cards that like eating your counters yeah it's been- in this set yeah, there's a few. Um, one of the ones that comes to mind, there's a, a green card, which is Quarry Hauler, which is a uh, four-mana camel. Uh, when there's the battlefield, for each kind of counter on target permanent, put another counter of that kind or remove one from it. So yeah. you, could, you could do some shenanigans with that. Well, I mean, also the next card we have on our list likes them too. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's definitely true because in green, green-black in limited is kind of the, uh, the minus one, minus one counter color. And so we have some cards that look really weird. For example, Channeler Initiate. Uh, one in a green for a rare human druid. Uh, Channeler Initiate is a 3-4. Now you're going, hold on, John. You said that it's a one in a green. I did. It's a two-mana 3-4. But it has more text. When it enters the battlefield, put three minus one minus one counters on target creature you control. So you can either just have a, a two-mana 3-4 and kill one of your other creatures or make, have this come to play as an 0-1. And... You can tap and remove a minus one, minus one counter from Channeler Initiate to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. This card could potentially be stupidly awesome. Uh, obviously, it needs to survive a turn. As, as an 0-1, it dies to a lot of removal. Dies to like everything. shock. It dies to like a stiff wind. Yes. Um, but it's one of those cards that if it can survive and if you can start ramping with it, you can ramp, and then at the end of like three t- times you ramp with it, you have a three-four body on the battlefield. And you normally ready to, ready to your rumble. Your mana doors get really bad once you you know you hit your fifth land drop, and you go, "Well, I don't need this one one anymore." Well, Chandler Initiate is now a three-four. That's a real body. Yeah, like it's it's a potential. It's investment in ramping that also comes out on the backside. Yeah. Good. Uh, there's another card in the same vein called Exemplar of Strength, which is one in the green for an uncommon human warrior who's a 4-4. And you put three minus one minus one counter for target creature you control. And whenever it attacks, you remove a minus one minus one counter from it. And if you do, you gain a life. So again, you have kind of a few of these creatures that enter big and then you remove counters from them to make them to make them bigger and get a small bonus in one way or another. Because you can make Exemplar Strength just a 1-1, or you could just have it as a 4-4, four, four, yeah. just sitting right there on the battlefield right yeah, off the bat. 2 4 are really like, good. If you're able to play a, a dinky little creature, play your Exemplar Strength, then have a Ronus, uh-oh, it's a 4-4, four, four. Yeah. Uh, Ronus can attack. Also, don't play either of those two cards that we mentioned with Winding Constrictor, because they will die. Yeah, Winding Const- speaking of Winding Constrictor, that card is going to get bad. It's either really, really bad or really, really interesting. We'll see. Yeah, because if it, yeah, it's going to be weird. All right, so moving on, let's talk about a few of the monocolored rare Aftermath cards. We have one in each color. And the first one I want to talk about is the card that most people, I think, are kind of upset about. And that is Never to Return. Never is one a black black for a rare sorcery, destroyed target creature, or planeswalker. Why couldn't it be an instant? Please tell me. And then Return is the Aftermath side. So remember, you can only cast Aftermath from your graveyard. For three and a black, exile target card from a graveyard, create a 2-2 black zombie. Yeah, so, like like you said, people were upset about never not being instant speed, which would have just been Hero's Downfall. Uh, Which, quite frankly, I think we need something like that. We just need unconditional planeswalker removal for standard right now. At instant speed. Like, we have several ways. At instant speed. But we need unconditional targeted removal for a planeswalker at instant speed. Yeah, I mean, granted, when it when a planeswalker hits the battlefield, they're going to get a plus out of it. But at the same time, there's you have to wait until you untap to kill it again. Like back when back in Theros standard, it was great because you could just hold up three mana, and you had to be wary playing a planeswalker because you could play it, invest your mana into it, get one activation, and it dies. Yeah. Also, uh, the fact that it was also just murder in certain situations is also just fine. Oh, yeah, like instant speed, like your opponent taps out, plays a big creature, and is like, yeah, yeah. 
no, it's dead. Yeah. Now I like I understand kind of why it's a sorcery, but I wish it was an instant. However, the return side isn't terrible. It's I mean. not bad, but it's not like I think that like the return side is more trinket text than anything. Yeah, I mean, exile target card from a graveyard. That I mean, for four mana at unless you're talking at four mana at sorcery speed plus get a two two. I mean, sure. But unless you're talking about like in standard trying to deal with scrap heap scrounger, like I don't really see any kind of case where you need to like exile a specific card. Yeah. But anyways, let's go ahead and talk about another card, uh, which Ian had a comment on, which is cut to ribbons. Ian, what does cut to ribbons do? So cut to ribbons is one of the dual color uh aftermath cards so cut is a one red sorcery it says cut deals four damage to target creature and ribbons is x black black sorcery aftermath each opponent loses x life <laughs> my comment was oh if only it was uh instant because you could just kill a cat yeah i'm not sure if they can pit they can print two mana instant deal four to a creature like they've printed one mana sorcery deal four to a creature they printed two mana deal f- sorcery deal five to a non-flying creature. I'm not sure if they can do two mana deal four to a tar- deal four to a creature at instant speed. I don't know. No, like no that even at rare that seems really good. Yeah. But I like cut cut to ribbons. Uh, it kind of tells a neat story where you know you kill something and then later on you just kind of sit on your mana and then you just go and fireball you and get shredded. And, to be fair, all these aftermath cards are really, really sweet. Like uh, onward to victory, prepare to fight, destined to lead, reduced to rubble, heaven to earth, which I think is definitely okay. one of the coolest designs. We didn't put in here, but reduced to rubble. Yeah, I think is interesting, and I like it. It is super interesting. The only downside, so reduce is two in a blue for an instant counter target spell unless its controller pays three, which is just an overcosted mana leak. And then rubble is the aftermath side where you have up to three lands, not be able to untap. It doesn't tap the lands of note, hint. but it does stop. Yeah, you'd have tapping. to make sh- you, you'd have to hope that they tapped out for something good, and then you can just shut them down yeah. for next turn. But it is it is interesting to see how it's going to work. Um, let's go ahead and move on to our planeswalkers. Now we briefly talked about Gideon um, and how I think Gideon is kind of being a little overhyped right now, but little, a little. He's not fifty. The fervor's. The fervor has died down. The fervor has died down a bit, but people are still kind of all up in arms about him. So let's talk about Liliana. Liliana, Death's Majesty. Liliana is three black black for a five loyalty Liliana Planeswalker, obviously at Mythic. Her plus one is to is create a two two black zombie and, put, and mill yourself for two. So put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Her minus three is reanimate target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Or return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature is a black zombie addition to its other colors and types, which is, I believe... Oh, what's the name of the card? Return from the Grave? I don't remember. Oh, no, Rise from the Grave. Um, it's a it's re- it's a five-mana reanimate that makes it a black zombie as well. All I can know is that on Magic Online, it's going to be cool seeing some gold cards. It certainly will. And her minus seven, her ultimate is destroy all non-zombies, which, of note, does not include your creatures that you reanimate with Liliana because they are now zombies. Uh, so what do you think about her in, like, a black control shell i think she's interesting in a black control shell it would have to want to um utilize cards like um torrential gear hulk and noxious gear hulk or specifically graveyard synergies because i because th- like milling milling yourself for two in a certain style of deck is just kind of bad but i think in a torrential gear hulk style of deck this liliana could be very very helpful potentially something looking for delirium yeah especially in a delirium style deck absolutely like a delirium control kind of thing would be weird and interesting but at the same time fun we could also try to combo off with her and put ulamog in your graveyard but you know oh god <laughs> oh man she works really well with those eldrazi doesn't she, she really does uh i like that she protects herself with her plus one i like that her minus three does something fairly relevant her ultimate's obviously just kind of just gravy um her ultimate's three turns away yeah but i mean if you i don't know if you want to immediately minus seven her until you get a board state you go I have enough power of your life total. Kill your board. Kill you. Yeah. No. 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 I'm just saying. Like it's it's one of those like she can stick and then just like tick up, tick up, tick up. Yeah. Now. Okay. Deal with my guys. Let's move on to the planeswalker that I think is worth the hype. Oh man. <laughs> can I talk about her? Please go ahead. Oh. Uh, okay. So we're looking at Nissa, Steward of Elements. Okay. So Nissa's Nissa, back. Nissa's She's a two probably. Co- Nissa's a two color planeswalker. <laughs> Wait. I thought she was mono green. 
Nope, she's Simic now. She's an X green blue planeswalker Nissa. That's right, I said X. She has X loyalty cost. <laughs> Love it. It is certainly awesome. Oh yeah. So anyway, so she she comes in. She's a scalable planeswalker. You can cast her on turn three and have her at one if you need to. You can cast her on turn seven and whatever. Just be like, all right, now she's a five loyalty planeswalker. She's ridiculous. I mean, heck, this is also where stuff like the uh, the Chandler initiate can really ramp you into her yeah. nicely. Flexibility is one of the you, most powerful abilities that any card in Magic can have. And Nissa is and just a, inherently a flexible. flexible uh, okay, and so this even, we haven't even talked about what she does yet. So she has a plus two that says scry two. Just scry two. Okay. Card selection, but a plus two. That's pretty decent. Yep. I mean, no protection, obviously, but... Uh, she has a zero ability. She says, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land or a creature card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of loyalty counters on Nyssa, Steward of Elements, you may put that card onto the battlefield. So there's her pseudo protection. So if you get her later in the game, you can kind of just go stick her down, look at the top card. Yep. <laughs> See what it is. Hope you're playing a bunch of creatures. Uh, she has a minus six ultimate of... It's not even really an ultimate per se because there's no... Uh, I mean, it's it's her ultimate, but it doesn't. It's her ultimate. It's it's not a. It's uh, not an emblem. emblem it's producer. not something big and splashy, kind of like destroy all non zombies. But this is not an ability to be trifled with. So it's minus six. Untap up to two target lands you control. They become five five elemental creatures with flying and haste until end of turn. They are still lands. So if I play, if I pay eight mana, I can just play Nissa, minus six her. And then hopefully dome my opponent for 10. Yeah, 8 mana dome 10 seems okay. I mean, I thought Fireball was a green, was a red card, not a green, a blue card. Yeah, she's she's pretty ridiculously crazy. Um, there's a lot of lines of text in her. Uh, she was given to LSV, and LSV rarely gets bad cards. Um, and like in standard, here's like an actual line of play, because currently one of the best decks is a four-color Sahili deck that plays, you know, Philidor Guardian Sahili and with Nyssa. So if you have a if you have a if you have a Sahili in play, you go scry one with Sahili. Oh, there's a Felidar Guardian in, on top of my library. Keep it there. Play Nissa at four loyalty, zero her, flip Guardian into play, blink Sahili, and just go off. Yeah. Or you can play Nissa plus two, scry two, and go. Oh, there's a I am at four. I'm at like four loyalty. There's a Felidar Guardian here. I'm gonna put it second from the bottom. So I'm gonna put it like under the. I'm gonna scribe both to the top. Draw this card on my next turn, then zero Nissa, flip Guardian into play with Sahili already in play, and then you just go off. Yeah, it it's some pretty busted lines you can do with her. Um, I think it's great in the evolution of her character. Yeah. She used to being such a staunchly green planeswalker that dealt only with elves. Like, I only make elves. Yeah. With Nissa Ravon. Now she's doing all kinds of crazy elemental stuff. Oh yeah. I love it. Like you see the evolution of her character through her cards, and it's really quite yeah. cool. Um, she, I, she will, will probably see play. Like I've considered playing her I, in my team or tower decks. I would not be surprised if Nissa sees play. Like, I probably will never use her zero ability in the team or tower decks, but that minus six I is mean, a hell of a way to end. If a you game. scry two and then just go like land, land, and then zero, put a land into play. That seems fine to me. Ramping up into just you know, casting, casting my stuff. Exactly. <laughs> so the next card we want to talk about is uh, a card that there's a little bit of a stir about this because the artist, um, Alexi Bricolo, uh, posted it on their Instagram with the hashtag Planeswalker. This card is not a Planeswalker card, but it kind of makes people think wonder if this, this legendary creature is going to get a Planeswalker card in the next set. And that is Samut Voice of Descent. Uh, Samut is three red green for a three four legendary human warrior at mythic. She has with a lot of text. A lot of text. She has flash, which is okay, cool. Double strike, okay, that's really good too. Vigilance, I'm go uh, on haste, okay. Um, other creatures you control have haste. Go on. And finally, finally, not counting the f- flavor text. Finally, white tap untap another target creature. <laughs> This card does everything. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like I kind of put in here for you, John, with like EDH because this is just going to be a bananas Naya commander. Yeah. So Samut is Naya because even though she costs red and a green to cast, the white mana symbol in her rules text allows you to play a Naya deck around her 
And she definitely has kind of a place somewhere in here. Like, she's definitely different from Ural, from Mael, from Marath. She's a, she's a very distinct commander. She's a Naya beatstick. And she has, like, all the keywords. Like, every keyword you could ever want, she has. And <laughs> The best one was, like, the best one I saw was, I, I mentioned him already, was Magic Man Sam. He's like, <laughs> it was like a consumer uh, testing. It's like, hey, consumers like uh, the Chromantic Core has abilities, and the R&D's like, hold my beer. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> the biggest thing is, like, Simba doesn't need Flash. She has haste. <laughs> right? Like, come on. Like, yes, being I mean, able to go flash in, then untap my other, my biggest creature to block your whatever is nice. But like, she doesn't need flash. <laughs> she does everything. <laughs> and is and is flash even like a green red ability? Uh, it's green. <laughs> okay. Oh right, flash Hulk. Yeah. And stuff. So flash. Well, flash Hulk is different. Uh, I know it's a combo, but I'm just saying. Well, flash the the, the spell flashes blue. And Flash, the ability is focused in uh, red and, no, green and blue. And it goes into other colors when it needs it. Um, so Double Strike and Haste so are green. Stupid. Flash and Vigilant, no, Double Strike and Haste are red. Flash and Vigilance are green. And Vigilance also kind of straddles the white. A little bit, yeah. But you don't need to worry about it as far as the casting costs. Like, the white mana symbol tapped on tap a creature. That's all, that's her only white ability, really. Like you could ignore you could ignore that line of text and Simba would be a perfectly absurd green red card. So I've I've missed the days of green red dragons. <laughs> I mean this card'll this card uh, face. We have like we mentioned, the uh Glorybringer. Gosh, I can't think of the name right now. We have yeah, Chandler Nishit and Glorybringer. Yeah. <laughs> this is silly. Glorybringer, remember, is the dragon that uh has uh five mana four four haste flyer with exert deal four to a non-dragon <laughs> this untaps it yeah <laughs> and you could do it again the next turn yep. as long as you have the man <laughs> and untap it and do it again the next turn yeah it's just paying one white man and you could just keep doing this and taking the counters off a of channel initiate making it bigger so to pay for your white so a few cards oh, that i want to just mention by name as cool reprints are magma spray and essence scatter which are really good for both teamer tower and grixis tower um um yeah ooh, magma spray got some cool art i like yeah. it um essence scattered not entirely sure i'd want to play it but i mean i guess if we're against a creature heavy deck it's just a counter spell for creatures it which... doesn't counter vehicles which is sad but it counters everything else you care about which are creatures yeah i mean we'll see i don't know i think it's gonna we'll see how it goes but but i like the art on it yeah. It's going to look amazing in foil, and I think I might pick it up for my pauper deck. That's probably a good idea. We'll see. But Yeah, foil's going to be cool. But the card that we really need to talk about, especially like approaching the hour mark of the show, we need to talk about Harsh Mentor, because you already mentioned him at the top of the show. <laughs> we, need to, we need to kind of talk about him. Harsh Mentor, one and a red, human cleric at rare. He's a 2-2, and he has rules text. <laughs> He's not just a vanilla bear. He says, whenever an opponent activates an ability of an artifact, creature, or land on the battlefield, so this doesn't trigger off of cycling, if it isn't a mana ability, Harsh Mentor deals two damage to that player. Okay, crack a fetch land. Oop, that's two damage. Activate my uh, Lantern of Insight. Oop, that's two damage. Uh, use Academy Ruins to put a card on top of an artifact on top of my library. Two damage. Sack an artifact to, to Arcbound Ravager. Two damage. And I my Eekmoth Nexus. Two damage. Oh, no. Uh, oh, right. I got another one. Pendlehaven. Pendlehaven activation. Two damage. Yeah, Harshman. Go ahead. No, no. I was saying Pendlehaven activation. Tap it. Yeah, Pendlehaven. Yeah, it's... Target. Harshman does so many things. Yeah, this is the two-man... This is the bear that everyone's talking about. Potentially becomes the, uh, I guess, two-mana color card. Yeah, the, the, up the there busted two-drop the, on... the monocolors. Yeah. yeah, the busted monocolor two-drop. Uh, like... The other ones are Snapcaster, Tarmogoyf, Bob, and... Stoneforge. Stoneforge. I just realized Not that Harsh Mentor triggers off of Aethervile. Oh, God, it does, doesn't it? Because you tap the Aethervile. Oh, wow. That card is stupid. This card is so good. It's so good. Now, yes, people can just play around it a little bit, and, then it, and it dies to every piece of removal known to mankind. But it's really good. Oh, man, I just opened it up on Mythic Spoiler to look at, like, the... the uh, comments. Think people comments maze of ith yeah maze of ith wasteland ghost quarter Ooh, man 
equipping equipment. Yeah, that so many things, <laughs> so many things. Now, of note, it does not trigger off of planeswalker activations because that would be dumb. That would just be bad. Because then you could just kill the planeswalker in certain situations, like. Yeah, well, I think it's too. You also don't want to like that's really kind of anti marquee card kind of thing. You don't usually see on that kind of yeah. card. But you can redirect so the card damage being to a planeswalker, but you can't like you minus my Sahili. Cool, harsh mentor trigger kill Sahili. Oh yeah, absolutely. That would be a little too unfair. Yeah. So, harsh mentor, pretty freaking cool. Um, one other card I want to talk about really quick that might see play in a control deck if this kind of control style exists is pull from tomorrow it's x blue blue instant draw x cards then discard a card it's a torrential gear hulk safe instant also the, like i said mr spoiler best comment on there could well as give x life probably not discard and cost a white mana more then you have yourself a sphinx's revelation <laughs> yeah yeah some people it's love like their sphinx's you drop you drop a white mana lose the life gain gain discard yeah I mean that, but hey, it's also a kind of strictly better brain geyser from Alpha. Yeah, can we just say though, like this is not necessarily the kind of card draw that Blue needs, but it's card draw that Blue needs. Um, I think it depends whether you want to go the Glimmer route and go Selection versus the Pull from Tomorrow route and just go Quantity. Well, even then too, you also keep in mind that it's Blue Blue yeah. in the cost, which is which can be rough. Yeah, so you're not even paying like five mana to draw four cards you're paying five mana to draw three cards and then you have to discard one so it's which like, i think is fine like especially with like aftermath cards or the embalm cards because by the way we didn't talk about a single embalm card or if you have torrential gear hulk yeah like do all this pitch my glimmer into the end of your next turn cast gear hulk into glimmer you know there's a lot of things that we can do and there's a lot of let's talk about one let's talk about one of the embalm cards though like let's talk about timid uh timid sure let us talk about timid we can we can end up with yeah, Timmet. So Timmet is blue and a white for a 2-2 legendary human cleric at rare. Uh, he has Embalm for three blue and a white. So that means that in, when he's in your graveyard, you can exile him to make a token copy of himself, uh, which is also legendary and all the other fun stuff. And it's literally the same card, except it's just a token. Uh, and it says at the beginning of combat on your turn, target creature token you control gets plus one, plus one until end of turn and can't be blocked this turn. So on his front side, on his card side... He just gives all of your embalmed tokens unblockable and bigger. Well, when, at one target. Well, yeah, on one target creature. And then when he is embalmed, he can start giving it to himself. Yeah, so you can just give it to one of your creatures incidentally, die, and then all of a sudden start buffing himself, which is not yeah. bad. Also, Timmit kind of leads into the fact that embalm is focused in blue and white. And there are a ton of embalmed cards in blue and white that I am intrigued with to see if they can see play in standard. Um, there is one embalmed creature in red, which we haven't seen, and there is one embalmed creature in green, which we have seen, which was, of course, which is a snake hydra, which was, of course, previewed by uh, the snake master herself, Gabby. Oh, yeah. I was like, man, hydras deal with tokens, but this is still pretty yeah. good. <laughs> uh, it's also the card I was looking forward to the most seeing in the in the set, which was an embalmed creature that, does, that has a lower embalmed cost than its mana cost. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's the first one. I think the I, I would not be surprised if it was the only one. But yeah. Oh, and one more before we go, uh, because we you, you need removal. Yeah. Sweltering Suns previewed today. Yes. With some amazing Raymond Swanland art. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's Sweltering Suns, one red red sorcery. Sweltering Suns deals three damage to each creature. Mm-hmm. Just this three damage to each creature. It it's not. Your- Anger of the Gods were exiles on death. I mean, it's a little better than Radiant Flames because you don't have to pay three different colors into it. But it also has Cycling 3. So this is definitely kind of replacing Radiant Flames in my version of the deck. And I am probably going to main deck at least one, if not two. Just because being able to cycle it away is just important. I'm perfectly fine main decking like two of these in my Team or Tower deck. Maybe one or two. But then again... Team Tower might not even exist. We don't yeah, know. We don't know. Also, because there's a BNR announcement coming up, as per the usual now, and I feel like somebody's going to get hit, but we'll talk about that next week. I don't... Yeah, we'll talk about it next week, but I don't... We'll definitely have to... I'll mull it over if we're going to talk about that for yeah, sure. I, I have some opinions. Um, actually, wait. You might be having a different co-host next week. I might be in the field. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it in out. In any case... I might not be here next week. Yay, Army training. But... In any case... That has been us for this episode of Eyes in the Mize. 
Ian, if people wanted to find you on the social medias, where could they do that? You guys can find me on Twitter at DixonIJ. That's D-I-X-O-N-I-J. You can also find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix. I should possibly stream on Sunday or Monday um, when I get back from Texas. Uh, I'll be doing some Legacy Cube, and you're more than welcome to join me if you're available. Legacy Cube's awesome. John. It's also better so, again. Uh, oh, they have Mana Rocks back. Well, some of them. Not, not, not all of them. Mana Rocks are back, John. They didn't bring back more Power Stone. I don't care. Mana Rocks are back. <laughs> anyway, where can they find you online? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwelly129. You can also find me on Twitch at the same handle. So if you see me lurking around in a magic chat, do not hesitate to go ahead and say hi. If you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so on Twitter at eyesonthemise, or you can send us a more personal question at eyesonthemise at gmail.com. Please give us your feedback. We would love to hear how we can best improve the show for you, our listeners. Uh, That's it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. (laughs) 